0: God. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that uh, we have received full pardon. We've received full pardon. And full pardon really entails, I think, a lot of things that believers overlook. Uh, And it's not good to overlook anything that's a blessing that comes from God's covenant. But when we talk about being fully pardoned from our sins... That means that we live as though we never sinned before. A full pardon means unless you tell somebody, nobody would know. Got me? Um, and, and that, you know, if, say for instance if you were a person that had been uh, convicted of a crime, say you're a felon, and you were convicted and you had spent time uh, in prison, When you get out, what do they do? They trail you. They follow you. They keep up with you because you've offended one time and that record of that offense will follow you for many years throughout life. Uh, In some states now, they have people who have been convicted of sex crimes. They have to register as sex offenders and that is let any and everybody know uh, what you did in the past, whether you're, you're over that or you're healed or delivered or whatever, uh, in the natural realm these things follow you. Uh, if you get out of jail they put you on probation for a period of time. You have to check in with a probation officer. Your, your sin follows you. Your mistake follows you when you talk about the natural realm. And I think it's a good thing in most cases because there are many people who are what they call repeat offenders. And if they don't really get a new understanding of who they are and really turn their lives around, so to speak, is what people will often use that term, then they are apt to repeat those things again, you know, according to the law and really according to Uh, what happens in real life. You see a lot of people that don't ever just completely uh, turn their lives around. There's so much against them as far as how society views things and and all of that. People are fearful and distant and so forth and so on. And and so these things uh, tend to follow us. Now because somebody has been convicted, they have a record But a person who's doing the same thing and has never been found out kind of blends in with society and moves among us. So you can see that that system needs fixing. Anything that's man-made needs to be fixed. And so God has the ultimate fix for our sin and that is complete pardon. We are completely pardoned from sin. So much so that God can give you favor in real life. Now you think about Joseph, who comes right out of prison into the king's palace. He's second in power in that whole country. Why? Because he met God's standard of approval. And this is the whole thing, is meeting God's standard of approval in all things And you can have complete pardon. Now the blood of Jesus uh, provides complete pardon for everyone. But it's up to us to partake of it. There is nothing that's provided for in the covenant that is forced upon us. That is automatically given. We have to receive these things by faith. We have to believe that they are given to us. And then we have to walk in the confidence of that reality. You have to walk in the knowledge of that reality on a continual basis. So we are in this life learning to forgive, learning to accept forgiveness, and receiving full pardon. Just receiving full pardon. So the Bible says God tells us his sins, our sins, I'm sorry, he remembers no more. So that is what complete pardon really is about. It's about God not having any remembrance of our sin. And, and it's something that's afforded to us as well. As we forgive, we are forgiven, the Bible says. And what that means is in the same way that you forgive other people, you will be forgiven as well you need to be willing to give people complete pardon that is you don't remember their sins anymore you don't remember their offenses toward you anymore because that's really what this is about it's about when we sin against god is because he has a standard in his in his bible in his law that says there are certain things that you're allowed to do and if you do this over here and cross the line then that's you're an offense to his law. And God is a holy God and he has every right to determine these laws. But we don't. Our offenses, when we people offend us it has more to do with some kind of idea of right and wrong that we have on the inside of us which compels us to defend our internal law. This is wrong and that's wrong and this was wrong and I can't stand a person who does this and I don't like this and I don't like that. And so you can see it varies from person to person. The reason the world, I'll give you a good example, the reason the world is in such turmoil is because Uh, the prevailing mentality, worldly mentality, this liberalism and situational morality, all of the stuff that goes, you know, you can be a free spirit, uh, God's law, that doesn't mean anything. It's just up to you to decide what's right and wrong. The reason it's in such a mess is they have no law. When you decide every man is a law unto himself, you have no law. So what they're, what you see people in the world doing is making it up and defending it as it goes along. And so now the list of offending people gets longer and longer and longer. So they are really trying to write a Bible by which they want everybody else to live. And they're, they're, the people that adhere to this way of thinking are defending it on their own. So that's why when people go out onto a college campus and they want to talk about uh, defending the Constitution or conservative values or, or stemming the course of illegal immigration or sending people away from here if they've broken the law, all this, that's why they've met, they're met with such criticism and so much venom because they have no law but they're making this up as they go along. And see, this is the same thing. Now, this has been seen before. This is how the Nazis got power. This is how the Romans. This is how all the dictators get power. First, they take God away from you. That's always always step one. They kill God or tell you God's wrong or you're stupid from obeying God and take God out of things somebody sues somebody because they're offended with the Bible and scripture is up somewhere in prayer school that's been gone so long ago you know people used to have freedom when we have freedom to pray in schools everybody was free even though they claim that was some kind of restriction but everybody was free because you didn't have to stand and pray if you didn't want to. You didn't have to join hands. You could just sit it out. You didn't have to. Nobody compelled you. But you were allowed to do it. Now that you're not allowed to do it, everything's fallen apart. You got me? Everything's restricted. You can't say certain words. I was even hearing that, you know, and pretty soon worldly people, they turned against Christians a long time ago. But pretty soon they'll be turning on each other. Because they'll run out of, it won't be, it won't be so much fun to just beat up on God's people anymore. Now we gotta start hurting each other. And it's happening already. And so the chaos that the enemy wants to unleash in the world gets very, very easy when there is no God and there is no law of God and there is no understanding and respect for God's law. You know, you'll hear people say very blasphemous things. That they, there was enough fear of God that they would be afraid to go over the line. Now they're so far over the line, it's it's pathetic. And so in much of this is fueled by witchcraft and fueled by drug use. You get rid of the drug problem, you get rid of a lot of this stuff. Because the devil can get you to do things you never would think about doing if you were in your right mind. And so these things are are already foreordained by Satan. and, And he wants to get to the point where there is no law and there is no ability to maintain order. And people don't know what morality is all about. The only source of morality is the Bible. Now, you can have laws, but you won't have a moral code, so to speak, to go along with it. And that is uh, a heart change, a change in a person's heart that will cause them to desire to do the right thing and know what the right thing is. So only God can set set about that kind of law. You take him out, you have lawlessness. And so that's really what we have. If we don't have God's law to reflect on, we have our own idea of what's right and what's wrong, just like the liberal is. That's why sinners are so apt to adopt that way of thinking, because they don't have to uh, have, you know, sin is, is never comes up in the conversation. There's no God, there's no right, there's no wrong. And so they feel the pressure is off to try to do things under a certain code. But then the, the, the world falls apart right underneath them because the same law that restricts them also protects them. And say so they don't really see the connection that we must have some laws. Now they might restrict me in certain ways, but they also protect me as well. And so when we see that, that breakdown in respect that people have just for laws and, and things, traditional things that you didn't use to argue with. Everybody argues with everything now. And so there are traditional things you didn't use to argue with and you didn't use to, Uh, what we say politicize, you know, there's the liberals on one side and the conservatives on the other and the Christians somewhere in the mix. Uh, Just make sure you stand up for God's word no matter what your politics is. You know, you've got to stand for what God is doing or you are in error. And so God has devised a way to get rid of all this nonsense that, that human beings get engaged in. And that is through the blood of the cross that affords forgiveness of sins. Because I don't care if you're liberal and your people say, you know, it's okay to be a homosexual, it's okay to be this or that. What really matters is God's law. And when you cross God's law, the only thing that's going to make you right again is total pardon or full pardon from your sins. Now, what do we mean by full pardon? Most of us have been in a place where we felt somebody hurt us, hurt our feelings, said something that... Uh, cause us some type of pain, usually some type of emotional pain. Now that doesn't make that person wrong. Everybody on the same page? We'll try to enlighten you here. That does not make that person wrong. That just means that you got offended by something they did or something they said. What God is interested in more than anything, He's interested in peace. So peace trumps right and wrong. A somebody person may be wrong, you know, you might just be sitting innocently there, and this is the other thing. We we think if we haven't done anything to anybody that shouldn't draw any fire, well you couldn't be more than wrong. Man, just keep living for God a little bit and see what happens you know some people are very they come in very timid they walk on eggshells they smile at everybody try to be polite to everybody and then since somebody says something mean to them and they think in their minds why did everything I'm supposed to do how did this happen to me grow up huh just grow up keep living because there are people what did the what do Christians in the the Muslim nations do wrong to anybody they just serve Christ and they're tortured. They're put in prison. They're hung. So just get real, folks. Okay, simmer down with your little law within yourself. You know, and you're see, this is the way humans do. We figure out a way to survive. And see, surviving really means nobody hurts me. I'm not upset. Nobody stands in my way. Nobody treats me mean. Nobody does anything to me that's not pleasant. I must have pleasantness all around me at all times. And see, nothing can be more mythical than to think everything's going to be pleasant or you can control other people's behavior so that they don't do things that upset you. Some things some people are just easily upset. Somebody needs to say amen because that's the truth. The Bible says love is not what easily provoked, upset, touchy. And then sometimes people look for things to be upset about. You you come into, say, like somebody comes into a new church or something, the first thing they do is want to see who talks loud or who talks not pleasant or something. They're feeling for something, you know, so that they can be offended. And they can look, and then once they find it, they're satisfied. You understand what I'm saying? And then they go on and look for more, and they make a judgment of these people aren't really Christians because they do what I think Christians are not supposed to do. It has nothing to do with God and His law and His word or anything. So God says in His word, you know what, y'all? Just quit it. Just drop all of that. And I have a solution for you in everything, and that is to forgive. God is not interested in somebody hurt you. Write that down. He's not interested. He's already given a blanket answer for what to do with that. And he expects you to obey his law. He ain't interested in somebody hurt you. He's interested in you forgiving, not carrying that around in your soul, not being burdened with it. He's interested in helping you, and you do not get helped by taking somebody to court. The court of accusation. Huh? Now, you know, we can all be racists and homophobes and all that kind of stuff. People say, Well, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus, I say, Do you know him? Do you know the person of whom you speak? (laughs) He's a holy God. He doesn't tolerate sin. In fact, he will throw you in hell if you don't ask forgiveness. And get it. You understand what I'm saying? So we can all have our little law within ourselves and think if somebody crosses my line, I'm going to put my foot out there in the aisle today. Somebody steps on it. They're in trouble. <laughs> you know. So we set ourselves up for offense many times. You know, there are attitudes that we carry we need to let go of. You know, just get getting your word until you feel better about that thing. That's what I used to tell people, I said Honey, you can get in the word and lose that. You know, that won't be a bother to you anymore. And so you get in a word and get your mind renewed so you don't think so much about yourself all the time, what you want, what you want to do, and what's going to make you happy. You Get out of that and then you can live. But if you still hold on to ideas, attitudes, standards, whatever you think it is, and people cross your line and upset you, sometimes people will go off on you. And say things to you that do hurt your feelings. You, your answer's the same. It doesn't matter what they do and how much they do it. you got to forgive. If you're going to be right with God and, and have success in this walk, you must forgive. It is a mandate. It is a command. It is such a command from God that he refuses to forgive you until you forgive other people. You holding somebody hostage in your heart? you go to jail God said nope you're not God I'm not going to let you hold anybody hostage and get up in my face what did Jesus tell the disciples he says you know what he said you're going to make a big offering to the temple and you got something against your brother Uh, leave your offering right there at the altar go make it right with your brother first and then come back in other words God said I don't want your money if you're not right You got me? See, what we've had in our church is we've taught money above everything and we've left the basics of the gospel. That's why so many angry people in the church. That's why so many discouraged people in the church. See, you'll never get the financial prosperity if you don't get this because this comes first. There's evidence in the Bible. He said, leave your gift. I don't want your money. If you got something against somebody, leave it there. Your offering is not acceptable to me. Now the church might take it, but it's not acceptable to God. you got to please Him with everything you do, or it's not going to work. So when God starts talking about forgiveness, He's talking about full pardon. He remembers our sins no more. Now somebody remembering something, if it's remembered, that means it can be held against you. Hmm? There are certain things God remembers. He remembers us. He remembers your name. He knows your name. Amen? He knows all about you. Those things he wants to remember, but your sin, he says, he will forget. He remembers it no more. So once it's confessed, as far as God's concerned... It's done away with. But what about us? How do we know and understand and live in the benefit of the full pardon? And that's something that is a matter of your walk of faith. You have to you have to stay with that until you get it. Know what I mean when I say get it? It's an automatic thing. Your mind doesn't run back there anymore. Your mind isn't quick to to think about this was wrong and that's wrong, and who did this and who did that, and who looking at people all fish-eyed. Fred Sanford, your old fish-eyed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Looking fishy at people is suspicious and uptight and all that kind of stuff. You know, so when you know you've been fully pardoned, you're free. You no, know, you're free. You no, know? and religious churches, the sin is the only thing they have to talk about. So they're always looking to put somebody down because they don't do this right or they don't do that right according to them. You never know what God's expecting from an individual. So we can't judge whether they're a good Christian, not a good Christian, walking right, talking right, any of that stuff. So you have to get to the point where your answer to anybody's accusation against you is my sins are forgiven. You gotta tell them, you gotta tell you. You understand me? You know, as people you know, sometimes you get around people that have known you for a long time. They start bringing up things of the past and reminding you, I said, Well, you know what, my sins are forgiven. That person you're talking about doesn't really live anymore. And for me it's the truth. It took me a while to get there. Because I thought when people criticized you for your faults, that meant something was wrong somewhere. And you had to go pray or you had to apologize. And one day God told me, so you tell those people your sins are forgiven. Just like yours are, mine are. And stop taking crap off a sheep. All they're going to do is criticize something anyway. So get yourself out of the sheep pool, amen, and get get up there where I put you. And that is somebody who can teach them. You're gifted to teach and lead people. You're not gifted to take their crap, amen, and listen to their whining all the time, amen. And, and you know, you'll do well to learn to forgive people in authority. Because we've got a situation in this country and around the world where nobody's authority is respected very much. We've got people running into other people's country, taking over, uh, abusing the citizens and different nations. And it's horrible. I don't know who got the idea of open borders in Europe, but those people are crazy to let people come in that don't want to be in that country and don't respect them or their laws and not trying to, and yet they come in and take over. And God wants us to be people who obey laws. We obey God's laws. Amen? And those laws are not grievous to us. So we want to obey God's law. And you can only obey the law of God if you're forgiven. If, you're not, if you don't know that you're completely forgiven of your sins, you'll be reluctant to step out and really do anything or live life. You'll be so afraid of making a mistake. And God, Jesus died for us to not be afraid of making mistakes when we step out and obey him. So when your sins are forgiven, you have been given a full pardon. Amen. Now the word forgive really means to send away. It means not to retain it anymore. To send away. To leave alone. So, if you forgive somebody, you quit mouthing back to them. You quit looking for opportunities to remind them that they offended you. Huh? You know, and, and, you know, let me go a little further, and this is a little slick thing Christians do. They'll say something like they're trying to, um, flatter you or encourage you like they'll say um, oh you've changed so much from the way you used to be well, what does that mean huh see instead of keeping your mouth shut see that's unforgiveness you say things like that to people that means that you need to work on you forgiving. you're not that person's judge you're not qualified We're not qualified to judge anybody. That's why we are commanded to forgive. Because you ain't qualified. The Bible says, why are you picking at that little speck in your brother's eye when you got the biggest beam in your eye? You can't even see straight to help him. So we have to take these things to heart, folks. If we're going to walk in what God's given us to walk in and be Christians for real, and be free of nonsense and the devil's pulling at us and the devil defeating us at every turn we're going to have to take this stuff seriously and walk in the spirit of God you know people, people need to understand that offenses will get so strong they will separate you from people they'll separate the body that's what, that's what the devil wants he wants people separated and divided he doesn't want us to get along because there is such power in agreement. So he would rather have us so concerned about what somebody said. They don't like me. And I says well you don't like them either. And that they don't like you is not an excuse for you not liking them. You don't have to love people. You can't afford to dislike anything and anybody. Because God sees it. And he's not forgiving you if you don't forgive. So it also means to permit to depart. When you forgive, you permit that sin that's on your soul to depart from you. When you forgive people, you permit them to go about their life. You got me? They just give them permission. It don't hold on to it. Don't try to talk about it forever. Don't, you know, hold it in. You know, people Christians are smart enough not to say much, but. You know, you give them a chance and they'll bleed all over you. You know, explode all over you with nonsense. Stuff that was done so long ago, it's not even worth talking about. And it gets no support from heaven. That's the important thing. God won't support you in this stuff. To forgive means to let go or release. There's something you're holding on to that forgiveness will allow you to let go of and release it. It also means uh, to permit. So when you release something, there's a permission there too. Amen? Now what does that really mean? If it means to release and it means to permit, what does that mean? Well, what does it mean in terms of what God does? He releases us from the penalty of sin... You know, sin is not held against you. It's blotted out. And you're permitted to do it again and be forgiven again. Because we ain't perfect. You need it. We all need it. You need to be forgiven and permitted to sin again and it not be held against you if you'll confess it. Now, see, we don't like it because we think of somebody, when you say that, you think of somebody who kept messing with you and kept rubbing you the wrong way. (laughs) And you hated them forever. Well, now's the time to let it go. (laughs) You have permission to let it go. Huh? (laughs) I mean, it's amazing. But it's real and it works. And it works because of the blood of Jesus. See, if we were just sinners running around here talking about loving people, forgiving people, he's a good person. He uh, 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 Don't work out there. This don't work in the world. It only works in God's kingdom. You can only do this if you have access to the blood of Jesus. So forgiveness comes from authority. One must have power to be able to forgive. The trigger of the enemy is to make a person feel powerless due to an offense. Offended people feel like victims as long as they retain the offense. What empowers you is letting it go. And then you realize you're not a victim. I mean, if you really let it go, the strength of God comes into you afresh. You don't feel like a victim anymore. Uh, You might be entertaining retaliation spirits and think about, well, the next time, yeah, I'm going to get them straight. The next time, I say, I'm going to let them have it. You know, all that kind of stuff. If you let that go, then you will get your power back again. What happened was you picked up the offense. You ever get in a situation and you realize that this something that used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore I mean if you've never really been there you need to go visit that place call forgiveness but it's like boy that used to bug me and I've gotten to the place now where it really doesn't bother me you can't even conjure up an ill feeling about it you can't even pretend that it's real anymore that's the power of the blood See, you've experienced what the blood, it annihilates sin. It doesn't just put you in an amnesia where you, or a coma where you don't remember stuff. But you're in full possession of your faculties and what used to bug you no longer bug you. You get around some people that you used to have fellowship around your bugs. Used to get together and gossip and talk about this and talk about that for for hours, and you absent yourself from them for a season, and God works on you, and put yourself back in that situation, and see what irritates you now. You got me. So that means you that you've experienced the power of forgiveness, the power of the blood. You not the same person. Don't go back there. don't Don't dwell in that. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Don't judge them, but move on. You know, keep it moving. Sometimes God shows us those things so we can see how far we really have come. When God tells you you've changed, that means something. People tell you that, just put it right in the crapper that you put in with everything else they tell you. And listen to God. You won't go wrong listening to the Lord. You really won't. You will not go wrong listening to him. So forgiveness comes from authority. You must have power to forgive. The trick of the enemy is to make a person feel powerless due to an offense. What we do is just go, unless you get up and retaliate and then you're scared to do that, you don't know what they'll give you in return. (laughs) Amen. If you want to speak to somebody, now the Bible does say if your brother offends you, you should go to him. Don't go to him angry and go tell him off. That's not what that means. What that means is you go to God and forgive that person and then come to them in wisdom and ask them to or entreat them so you can clear it up. And to be honest with you, many people don't do that because by the time you forgive them, it's all gone anyway. You're not talking about something that needs to be cleared up. You're talking about something that doesn't exist anymore. I remember the old pop psychology in the 70s where they tell, you know, you're angry. Tell, tell people why you're angry. We you had so many angry people going around telling people off. And you remember those people that started coming forward and saying they were molested by their parents when they were there was a rash of that kind of stuff. It was none but the devil accusing people. And so many times you don't have to go to anybody and say anything to them. If you forgive that person, God will take care of it. And oftentimes they'll come to you and say, you know what, I I really shouldn't have said that. I wasn't in a good mood or something. You know, I was just, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I'm sorry, I could tell by the look on your face that that offended you. I'm sorry if that hurt you. You know, that's up to them, between them and God to do that. But don't hold your breath waiting for somebody to come to you and tell you they were wrong. That's not forgiveness. You just, just keep living, folks. This is easy if you just do what you're told to do and quit the the crazy expectations of, of this kind of thing. Now, if you're in a relationship like a marriage, you're going to have to work a little extra hard. I encourage married people always apologize to each other. Don't let that thing go and go and go and go. And just because they haven't said anything, you think you got away with something. All that kind of crazy stuff. Marriage is too precious. It's your life right there with that other person. And you need to keep a clear channel, a pure pipeline between you and your spouse. Because God sees you as one. Got me? And so always keep short accounts. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And don't play games, you know. I'm going to pout until they notice me. Don't do that kind of stuff because that's just witchcraft. You put trouble in your relationship when you when you do that kind of thing. You forgive and you be humble enough toward that individual to go to them and ask their forgiveness. So ask the person, can you forgive me? I'm really sorry I said that to you or whatever. I know you're trying to help me. You're not against me. You're for me. Now if you think the person you're married to is against you, you really need to practice this because this is not right. Amen. So real power is in forgiveness. There is no power in judgment or contempt, but the real power is in forgiveness. This is how God maintains power on the earth, is through the power of forgiveness. Did you realize that? The person who is the most forgiving holds the most power. Turn to John 20. I'll show you something. John chapter 20. Hey, this is something that needs to be practiced and I know it does. Because it wasn't, it wasn't until I understood that unforgiveness was the root of my depression and mental illness, and I thought, well, I was a victim because everybody was dumping on me. You know, what about me? What about me? You'll get yours. You got to forgive, though. That's your portion is forgiveness. That's everybody's portion. But once I began to practice forgiveness, I realized how powerful it was to help me in all situations. See? You can't really. You can't really do a whole lot or a good job for God if you're a a wounded person and you nurse your wounds. You don't know how to go to God and get your healing, how to let these offenses go. You're going to be a crippled person out here. You know, you just be crippled a lot, and you'll be so concerned about yourself. You know, every time you get ready to go do something, the devil say, "Well, what if so and so and such and such." What if so and so and such and what if, what if your boss don't like you? What if they do this and what if they? your mind will be so on fire with negative imagination? It paralyzes you. You have to have a pure conscience to move forward in life. You can't do it with fears and being paralyzed. So, uh, so the real power is in forgiveness. Love is the greatest power. Forgiveness maintains love. You've got to understand that. If you don't have forgiveness as, as a, an automatic, love won't be automatic. It'll be hard for you to, to get things done. It'll be hard for you to uh, get along with people. It'll be hard for you to see yourself doing it. You'll have a limit. The doors will shut, spiritual doors shut to you with unforgiveness. So, love is a greater power. Forgiveness maintains love. So, the love of God is in you. Attempting to express itself, but you, you silence the voice of love with unforgiveness. You just squish it down. You oppress God's spirit with unforgiveness. And John chapter 20 and verse... 19 start there. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together. Now this is after Jesus is raised from the dead. With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So they are locked in by fear. See fear fosters a lot of unforgiveness. We're afraid if we let that person go What's going to happen to us we're afraid that if we look at them as not guilty our whole world's going to fall apart because that's been our world up until we we find God is our world is our little laws of right and wrong you know uh, I'm married but If my spouse does X, Y, or Z, see that's fear talking. That's fear talking. You're scared that you're going to have to do too much to keep the relationship going. Or they won't do their part to keep the relationship. You'll have to do all the whatever, whatever. Huh? So the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. <laughs> but they jumped out of their skin. <laughs> After he's, In other words, he didn't accuse them of being afraid. He didn't have to. He just spoke to the fear. <laughs> See how merciful the Lord is. After he said this, he showed them his hands on his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, wonder why. Hmm? We're going to take over this land from the Romans. Let's get it on. They don't know he's about to leave again. Oh, Lord, what are we going to do now? Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So, as the Father sent Jesus, he sends us. What did the Father send Jesus to do? To destroy the works of the devil through the forgiveness of sin, healing people, talking, uh, uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom that they could live in and not live oppressed anymore by their sin. Sin is what oppresses mankind. Nothing but that. So he says, receive you the Holy Ghost. He blew on them. He says, if you forgive anyone sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. And that doesn't mean you're holding a bunch of people hostage and you're free. The King James translates it, whoever sins you retain, they are retained in you. So he's doing this not for other people. He's doing for them people sitting right there they're talking to. And you know the first person they needed to forgive was Jesus. So he takes care of business. He doesn't come and do anything that's unnecessary. Now this is what the Baptist people take and run with. This is the Bethany experience, forgiveness of sins, repentance. This is a salvation message. And this is what they preach. Now the Bethany experience is what it's called, theologically called. Empowers believers to forgive. Not just some sins, all sins. Somebody murders your child, God forbid. You're empowered to forgive. You can't be selective. Some things you forgive, others you don't. You have to forgive. Love is impartial. Forgiveness is impartial. So this was the first impartation of the Holy Spirit that believers received. It was principal and essential. They had the power to forgive in order to get them to Pentecost. Or they would have received everything at Pentecost. You must receive the em- empowerment of the Holy Spirit to forgive sins. You can, this isn't human forgiveness. This is divine forgiveness we're talking about. Now you can say you forgive people and grumble and complain. and I forgive but I don't forget. Forgiving is forgetting. There's no such thing as not forgetting. Forgiving is forgiving. Why would you want to remember something bad all the time? Why would you want to mess up your life like that? And so the first impartation believers received was the forgiveness of sins. If that weren't necessary to get them to Pentecost he wouldn't have given it to them. So it, the empowerings of the Holy Spirit and we have to participate and operate in both. Both the Bethany experience which is a forgiveness of sins by the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. So he softens your heart to allow God's word to come in and dominate. Not the offense dominating now, but God's word dominating. The Holy Spirit at Pentecost was necessary for service. And they had had another command when they met him at the tomb, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. But he said, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So we're talking about two separate experiences. That's why many times, you know, sometimes people who aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit can have faith to pray for people, intercede, believe God for answers. Why? Through the forgiveness of sins. That righteousness puts them in front of the throne. When your sins are forgiven, you can boldly come through the To the throne of grace. So you'll find a lot of people in churches, they might pray for hours and hours, but they know how to get through, even with not being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So don't play Bethany short. It's very important. Forgiveness is so important as an essential step in maintaining righteousness, it's essential. You can you can go and this is why the devil's always laying traps for believers. You can go three days without being offended and all of a sudden something offends you and then you don't feel like praying, you don't want to go to church, you don't want to all that stuff. And that's why you have forgiveness of sins, just so you could stay open to God. You won't be open to God if you don't have forgiveness, folks. Now you might think you're getting away with something. You sit there and you nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows. And pretty soon you don't want to be in church. You don't come as often as you know you need to. Or I just want to pray and, you know, just come on now. Something's not right somewhere. Somebody's offended about something. People need to, you know, sometimes you need to go to God and say, God, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm not with it. I'm not interested. I don't care what happens. I, you know what I'm saying? Just be hard down truthful. Get it out of there. So it's not hindering you anymore. Sometimes people continue to be consistent in their attendance and giving and all that and then one day they disappear. You know what I'm saying? Your heart wasn't in it. Something's wrong somewhere. See, when you love God, you love his people. When you love God, you seek to be close to Him. Find out what He wants you to do every day. You're not just waiting on one big answer to prayer so you can get happy. You get little answers every day. Where you going to? What, what suppose the biggie don't come for 30 years? <laughs> you gonna be out of sorts for all that time? Waste your life holding your breath? Until something good happens, something you think is big, don't make your your answer to prayer bigger than God. He is your answer. So when we forgive, the the uh, um, let me see, oh okay, let me see where I am. All right, so they needed Bethany to make it to Pentecost. You can't be a Christian and have the faith to believe God for the supernatural without being born again. That's what this lays out. The epistles were written to spirit-filled people because it tells them all the things that they can accomplish and you and I know most holy faith is needed for many of those things. So in the Bethany experience, if you just are born again, you're limited to the forgiveness of sins but also intercession. Because you're born again, you have an adoption as a child of God. So you can receive covenant blessings, but they're going to be shallow because you're not obeying one particular command, and that is to go into all the world and preach with signs following. you guy got to have the whole thing. There's no reason not to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's difficult to do the works of God and sustain your Christian life without being spirit-filled and praying in tongues regularly. You have to exercise the gift too, folks. You can't just say, I got you know, you like uh, the Holy Spirit's a collection of experiences. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. When's the last time you prayed in tongues? For more than like 10 minutes. You know, I know we pray when we have our prayer partners and stuff, but you know, you need to get alone with God and worship Him in the Spirit, and sing in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit and stuff like that. So when we forgive, the blood of Jesus is called in to accomplish forgiveness. So there is an accomplishment after you make the confession of forgiveness to God, then the blood is called in to accomplish what you just confessed. So the blood forgives you, that means erases your sin, cleanses you from all unrighteousness. That's why it's bad stuff to go around pointing the finger at other Christians. Because we all have the effect of the blood, and many times we're accusing righteous people of unrighteousness, Which means you're accusing the blood of Jesus of not doing the job that it's ordained to do for them. That's why the Bible talks about Satan being the accuser of the brethren. Leave people alone. Stay out of people's business. Stay out of trying to judge whether they're right with God or wrong with God. You understand when some things are obvious they don't even need to be said. So just don't engage yourself in, in nonsense you're going to pray for somebody, pray for them. But you don't have to run them down for 20 minutes before you do that. So the blood purges us clean. We're cleansed from iniquity. And we can reckon ourselves dead to sin. When, when our sins are purged, that's one thing. We're talking about your sin nature being annihilated. It has no power. Now you might have some recollection of some things or you might get idle in your mind and start meditating on stuff you got no business thinking about and get yourself involved in some nonsense. You understand what I'm saying? But that's you walking away from the righteousness that God's imputed to you and picking up that old carnal thought again. Sin still lives in your members. You you can cuss somebody out, slap somebody. You can do a whole lot of damage to people if you ever get a mindset to do it. But for the most part, that's not your first thing you reach for in life. You reach for peace. You reach for love. You reach for righteousness. You don't reach for nonsense, first thing. So we have to reckon these things to be true. You must believe that sin has no more power over you. Evil thoughts have no more power over you. Depression has no more power over you. A bad temper has no more power over you. All these things have no power over you when you're blood washed. So if you reckon yourselves dead to these things, you won't be so quick to make excuses for them when they pop up in your life. You'll be more inclined to ask forgiveness for them and ask God to purge you and cleanse you once again. You got me? So it's not just a one-time deal. We said the word for forgiveness means permit. So God will permit you to get stupid again, but you better come back to him and ask to be forgiven for your stupid. You see what I'm saying? People say things like, I get tired. of. No, you're not tired yet because you keep doing it. You got me? So you try to ask you try to humbling yourself is what the problem is. You try to ask him for forgiveness. But you need to really get tired of it and it will cease. Once once you hit that point and you keep going to God and you keep saying, Now God this isn't right, I know it's not right, I ask forgiveness for and here I am doing it again. Help me. Don't ask him what's wrong. You know what's wrong. But ask for help. And he'll help you he will definitely help you. First Peter 2:24 Who him own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins would live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So the purging also is your healing. There it is right there and you know when people say, well, I believe in salvation but there's no more healing. Oh no, it's one work. Every time you see it in the Bible, in the New Testament, it's mentioned together. So, which means that if your sins are forgiven, that means that you are healed. You need to believe God that that's true. The reason people see it separated out is because they don't stay in God long enough to find that that's true. You gotta stay with this stuff. You gotta stay in the spirit until God proves to you that this word is true, because it manifests in your life. Joyce Meyer said that she was taken off guard one day. Somebody. You know, there was a church she used to belong to. She ministered there. She said these people were really, really persecuted or talked bad about her ministry, told every pe- other people not to follow her. You know, she wasn't doing this right and that. They just given her a hard time for years. And, you know, she moved on in, in, in her ministry and kind of the talk died down, you know. And one day she said that she had heard that they were in a building program. And she had sent them a pretty sizable check. She thought everything was forgiven so she sent the check and they sent it back to her saying they didn't want anything to do with her, her money blah blah. You know just a mean letter. And then one day some years later they told her at her office that somebody in her office was there to see her and mentioned who they were and where they were from. They were from this church that given her such a hard time. And she said she said, I could have said I was busy, she said, but God didn't let me. She said I but I she said but I told God, she said, I am so furious with these people. See, some of our heroes and heroines are human parts too. We are. And she said, God, you're gonna have to do something for me and let me know the reality of forgiveness. And it can't take long me. i got like two minutes for you to do what you know you need to do before these people come in here. She said when those people came in, she said the power of God just washed over her and those people came in and asked her forgiveness and they said that we realize all these years we have been wrong and we just are asking you to forgive us. We're very sorry if it's caused you hurt, pain or whatever, whatever. The interesting thing is that encounter with forgiveness changed her forever. See, that needed to happen. Because, see, it says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Not forgive you and you wait and eventually you get cleansed. But immediately he cleanses you. See, so you've got to believe you're cleansing you. That stuff that you keep conjuring up in your mind, that's not coming from God. And that's not right to keep brooding over that and keep nursing that. We're the ones that keep it going. It's not God. It's not, There's nothing wrong with the blood of Jesus that it don't cleanse you right away. It says forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I mean, there's nothing left in your brain to think about That would cause you hurt and pain. You ever sit around and just be thinking about nothing and out of the blue a thought comes to you something wrong you did when you were like 10 years old. That's not God. That's the devil trying to make you think that this blood is not real. You are totally forgiven and cleansed. Stay clean. So 1 Peter 2.24 says we are dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. And we must reckon this to be true. If you're alive unto righteousness, that opens up a whole new door of opportunity for you. Now I look at that as a plus because you can go about life doing right things that will be a plus to you instead of sinning all the time, which is a negative. So now, And I think if you stay out of the bullpen of of warming up your sins over and over again and rehashing them and warming up other people's sins over and over again, rehashing them, and just go on and live as a righteous person, start doing right things, look for somebody to bless Look for some work that God wants you to get involved in. Look in something to occupy your time. You know, start writing a journal, writing down some answers to prayer, finding out things that God is doing in the earth that you can do and get involved in. Pray and ask him what you're to do with your with your life on earth. Start doing that and you won't be so conscious of what your life used to be about. You'll be more aware of God's righteousness working in your life and be dead to sin. That's how people do great things for God. They quit thinking about what they used to do and how bad things are and what they don't have and what they lack. And they say, I'm rich. I'm rich in God. God, I'm so wealthy I need to pass off some of that wealth to somebody else today. What do you have for me to do? So we are dead to sin, but alive unto righteousness. You have to accept that sin has no power over you, even when others sin against you. That's, that's the open door usually for the enemy to get you thinking negative again, is offenses. Offenses are really, the, the Greek word for offense really is a word for snare or a bear trap. And you have to put your foot in the trap in order to be offended. You can let things be said or done to you, and you take no mind. You say, "God, I forgive them. I'm, you know, I'm going on. I don't want that to stick to me. Let me keep it moving." So you must consider all offenses powerless over you. That mindset of feeling justified in retaliation against offense by brooding, complaining, remembering, talking it up—that's not forgiveness. You've only confessed and you haven't accepted the atonement once you accept the power of the blood it's erased from you even if it's erased for two minutes and the devil comes back and makes you start thinking again you say nope devil I'm not giving it that that never happened that is gone that never happened that's really what forgiveness is it means that it never happened you start talking about stuff about people, what they used to do and all that. That stuff never happened if they're blood-bought. And they, you won't get them saved bringing up their faults either, folks. I'll give you another tip. The person who holds on to unforgiveness as a trophy has not forgiven. They used to do this to me and they, you know, we wear it like a badge sometimes, you know, a little badge of honor. That's who we are. <laughs> Once you confess forgiveness... You have to let the blood do its work. Don't hold on to a memory when you know God's trying to help you let go of it. You keep working with the Holy Spirit. It will purge you from the memory, and that is the attitude that comes with certain things, and the dead work that accompanies the remembrance of sin. So this is a dead work that you're getting involved in when you remember anything from the kingdom of darkness. You're letting your mind go over onto something that God considers dead. And he does not want his children reviving dead things. He wants us living in his life. So when you forgive, you are not being the bigger person. Quit saying that. Quit thinking that. Get that word out of your mind. That doesn't exist. The bigger person is Jesus. That place belongs to him and him alone. Because he's the only one who voluntarily took on sin that we would go free. So that's the bigger person. When we forgive, we're doing what's best for us. We're doing something that will help us and help us immediately. God gave us forgiveness so we can live without being burdened, hindered, weighed down bogged down and immobilized in life there is no life outside of life in the spirit not for us you can't go back to being a sinner and you can't enjoy sin anymore you just think you do until you start doing it ask anybody who's backslidden and come back to the Lord you think you're going to enjoy it until you get caught up in it and then you realize oh yeah I really am saved I don't even like this no more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, lighten up, y'all. Were you going to sleep? You dead? What's wrong out there? Huh? Act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to saints here. Oh. <laughs> Forgiveness is a command, it's not exceptional. You're not an exceptional person if you forgive somebody, you're not special. You're not bigger than they are. You're none of the above. You're just doing the minimum. Amen. The Bible tells us, make your body a living sacrifice. It's reasonable. It's reasonable to get walked on. Ah, if they walked on me. Yeah, Yeah, right. It's reasonable. Uh huh? How do you think people get saved if they don't walk on somebody? We have to continually forgive them. We're being graded on what we do, not what they do to us. You let that be between them and God. It's not your business what God does to them. But they did me wrong and they did this and that. Well, you know, you need to pray for them. The Bible tells you to bless those who despitefully use you and pray for them. You know, ask them to know God's forgiveness. When we forgive, we are pure and no iniquity is found on us. And that's everything because that's righteousness. That's why we haven't been living good all along before we knew the Lord. Now when we get righteousness, you have many, many benefits. The benefits come through righteousness. The Bible talks about the, the blessings of the, uh, the uh, godly person, the righteous man, the one who worships and serves the Lord those are blessings that, that comes with righteousness and forgiveness of sins. The benefits is that God always hears your prayer. Your righteous are never turned away. Whatever you want, you get it. Now you're a forgiving person? God forgives you? He says, if you don't forgive others, he won't forgive you. So the benefits he hears and answers prayer. Mark 11:24 tells you that. He says, "If you don't forgive, huh? when you stand praying, forgive, you don't go to the throne. That's why we have it in our prayer manual that you forgive, and I have people going around telling other people in the ministry, oh, you don't have to do that every time. Mhm you see what I'm saying robbing them because they're too lazy to get in the habit of forgiving. See that happens with people who abide in unforgiveness and you know how sometimes you've been wrong so long in order to have peace with yourself you got to tell yourself it's the other person's fault or there's something wrong with somebody else or you, you understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, when, when you walk in righteousness, you don't need to defend your sin. You don't need to defend your bad attitude. You don't need to defend yourself. You never get above the power of the blood. And, you know, that's why people's lives are wrecked wreck half the time. You know, they'll do okay for a season then all of a sudden fall apart. They lose everything. Got to start from square one. So they're looking for shortcuts self-righteousness trying to put themselves above something or somebody else so it's a mindset that people have that they need to be renewed out of you get under the blood and you get to let God break that stuff down out of your soul and start letting that stuff go and start picking up the mind of Christ understanding my sins are forgiven there's nothing holding me back from receiving everything that I need from God Instead of always thinking it's not for you, it's not for now, it's not for this, it's not for that. It's unrighteousness. Don't live like that. You don't have to live like that. Jesus took a terrible beating for you to live like he lives. Free of sin. So when we forgive we are pure and no iniquity is found in us. That's righteousness. God hears our prayers. We can walk with him. We have access to his throne and we ask what we will and it's given. We ask what we will and it's given. If we abide in him and meditate on the word, it benefits us. So your greatestness, instead of you thinking about what you did wrong all day, or what somebody did wrong to you all day, give yourself a righteousness break. He'll just say, God, please forgive me. I wasted my whole day remembering stuff that I need to forgive. Help me to get my mind where I don't keep drifting back there all the time. And he will help you. Go get you some scriptures. Start meditating, enjoying what God is telling you and what he's helping you to understand. Get into your new life. Get out of that old stuff. We have access to his throne, and that is unlimited access to the throne of God. He abides in us, and we abide in him. Isn't that much better than being a victim and remembering all the bad stuff in your life? To abide in God, let him abide in you. You can ask what you will, and it will be done. God sheds his revelation. He shares revelation, anoints us for ministry. It's a wonderful thing to know that God entrusts the souls of men to you. And he can only do that if you're a person who instantly forgives and continues. If you sit around and brood and think about something and let yourself get all worked up and flaring up and all that, he can't trust you. He trusts people who instantly forgive and walk in righteousness. I remember you know i i and i I'm not a person to just you know be aggressive or boisterous bold is different from aggression if you're in the Holy Ghost, you know the difference now, I'm not a person who's timid about stepping up when God gives me something to say, but I'm not you know a pushy person you know sometimes you see christians in the in the grocery line and they but like, yeah, you know, and then gotta get me this and go, you know, shut up, okay. Just keep it. Put a pin in it. But I remember going through Myers, this was years ago when I first started when I first moved back to Ohio I was coming through there and there was a young man that kept staring at me. It was at the register, and he said, "You look like..." Uh, and then I remembered. I said, "Oh Lord, they got a TV broadcast down here." And then I started searching myself. I said, I, didn't, I didn't. Wouldn't be. I said, "I wasn't a bad girl, was I?" He started laughing. We laughed about the pro. He said, "I really enjoy your teaching." He said, "You know, and it's just..." And so God let me see that, because He had to remind me, don't ever be off your watch don't ever be off righteousness don't ever come through here or anywhere because i can use you anywhere if you're there where i can get you and if you're in there a few minute people are upset because you got to wait in line and you know <laughs> that kind of you, he's not him that's not him that's not god that's not his spirit You've got to learn how to walk with God. don't don't let go of his hand. His hand doesn't change. His hand is peaceful, His hand is loving, His hand is kind, it's joyful, all of this. Don't let go of that. Let God stay close to him at all times. And that was just a reminder for me, not that I was doing anything I wasn't supposed to do, but it centered my mind back into. You know where God, and it's an answer to prayer, because my prayer is, God, I'm available. Use me where you need somebody to minister, and and He's always used me to pray for people in my ears. There've been people I walked up to and complaining. I know when they complain, they're gonna need prayer, because God wouldn't have me hear their complaint for nothing. You know what I'm saying? And then the unction comes. And then I move into what I need to do. Now, I could sit back there and say, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? But I don't roll like that. If you're walking with God, you don't roll like that. You know what to do and you step into it. So God shares revelation and anoints you for ministry when you walk in righteousness. If you're a person that will instantly forgive and not hold on to junk, not even as a trophy, see, they did me wrong. Like that makes you important. That makes you... (laughs) <laughs> a candidate for forgiveness is what it makes you God does not remember our sins so if he doesn't he expects us not to remember them either ours or things that are done to us when things are done to you and you're offended that is a sin against you you've picked up that sin and so you need to confess it forgive it and get rid of it we don't consider anymore or make mention of of offenses when we have forgiven and we can do this because Christ lives in us if you didn't have him living in there you'd have the only thing you'd have to talk about is you so you have him living in there let him live let him breathe let him get out and and you know give yourself a relief from you he teaches us how to let him live through forgiveness. He can't lead us and help us if we don't let go of offenses. He's not with you in that stuff. We cannot be selective. We have to forgive without impart- without partiality. God is no respecter of persons. If he's living in us and moving us and motivating us, he's no respecter of persons either. So oftentimes people we like, we give a pass. People we don't like, we crucify. So we have to get out. That's why instant forgiveness is a must. And you just automatically do it isn't I mean, who did something or made you mad or said something that shouldn't say or whatever it is, you know? Sometimes I'll have to speak to people if they get too out of pocket, but that's rare, you know. You just, you know, sometimes you just need to correct things on the spot and keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? It's You're wrong, be wrong, ask forgiveness, keep going. Don't stop and park there and want to have a discussion, defend yourself. Well, see, I didn't do it. And I, well, I didn't mean I was kidding. Stop it. Stop the nonsense. Got me? When you're righteous, you don't have to defend yourself. When you're provoked, you don't retaliate. Huh? Huh? And call it justified because you were provoked. I mean, we could all commit murder if we decided to. They made me mad, and I just shot him. <laughs> I had my hand on the trigger, and I don't know. I just shot him. They made me mad. Huh? got stop that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Amen. Everybody, that's human to, to think if what you would do if you had a chance. And see, many times the offenses are so small. You know they, that ain't justifiable homicide because they made you mad. Huh? Come on, y'all. Let's get it, get over it now. Sometimes you you spoil your kids, but you get mad at somebody else's kids for doing less. Huh? See, that's how impartial. That's that's how partial we are to offenses so that's why God says I don't care what they did to you forgive them I don't care right and wrong is no longer important in his kingdom right and wrong is not important what's important is obedience to his law what you going to do sue them because they said something you didn't like well people do that a lot he told the, the believers in uh, uh, in the New Testament were cautioned not to take each other to court. They said, "Don't you know you'll judge angels one day? Just start living like it." Amen. You start living like you have authority to judge angels, you'll stop judging people so hard. Mom, huh? you'll start loving people the way God loves them, and let everybody go. That's forgiveness. Amen. Everybody's supposed to forgive. And be forgiven. Amen. That's your job. Amen. Father, we thank you. We love you. We understand, Father, our job. When we forgive, we release your power in the earth. We want to be empowered. That's the first way to get it. All Christians, whether spirit filled or not, can forgive. So we thank you, Lord, for opening up our understanding. We will strive, if anything, to enter into the rest of forgiveness of sins. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer.